0: This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 88. Tom Nicoli on Visionary Success.
1: Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional
0: resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's
1: your host, Jason Lynette.
0: Welcome back, it's Jason Lynette here, and hope you had an outstanding Thanksgiving, and if you are listening to this after the uh, time of this recording... Whatever day it is, hope it's going well for you. It's been an exciting time here uh, working with clients and ongoing classes and putting together some really cool projects. And out of this time, I'd share with you two little quick insights. Tom Nicoli is actually someone I've been meaning to have on this program for quite some time. There's an aspect to Tom's work that the first time I ever saw him, and yes, many of us may know him of... The the Wonders of World Hypnotism Day, which you'll hear the whole story behind here inside of this conversation. Some of the work he's been doing in terms of what's now being deemed Master Visionary. Going back to the Dateline NBC Weight Loss Challenge from going on about 10 years ago. Though I'd share with you, there's an aspect of hypnosis that I really, really grew to appreciate just by watching Tom work. And it's this mindset of breaking down the barriers breaking down the borders of the process that the brand new hypnotist right out of the gate would maybe have this idea that now that I've done my hypnotic induction, now that I've done my deepeners, now I can really begin to address the client's issue that they'd like to change. And what I saw Tom do in a demonstration many years ago was just this seamless, seamless, beautiful piece of work where, to say it respectfully, pummeling away at the change throughout the entire process, during the induction, during the deepeners, just really milking every possible moment for that encouraging change process inside of that, and that's something that I really grew to appreciate, and it's where, you know, from from the point of view of the instructor... We, we have to teach the basics. We have to lay the foundation before we could ever start to break the rules, start to move things in a different direction. And you're going to hear that as just an outstanding theme in this conversation with Tom, where even there he was a month out of his training, opening up an office and having his own instructor say, well, people don't do that. Well, the answer is, yes, they do. Yes, they can. I mean, that's how my entire journey of becoming known as one of the people who helps other hypnotists become successful. I can point back to a local hypnosis meetup many years ago, where suddenly this community of helpers was telling me that I shouldn't have quit my day job. People weren't going to send me referrals my first year. And maybe I should have started part time. And within the first month of opening up shop, had a packed office had newspaper coverage, had a TV appearance as well. And those same, uh, to say it respectfully, those same naysayers were then asking me, hey, how'd you do that? So I really want you to take away from this conversation you're about to hear with Tom, this mindset behind just jumping in. This mindset behind just making things happen and sometimes having an idea for a project which may not necessarily have an end goal attached to it just yet, yet it's that mindset of let's just see what happens. Let's just see how it goes. So let's jump right in. This is session number 88, Tom Nicoli on Visionary Success. So it was always uh, kind of beginning off with the the superhero origin story what was it that first brought you into hypnosis
1: what first brought me into this world called hypnotism was the entertainment part of it all as a musician and being on stage since I've been about 10 in different ways and living on stage almost for my uh, early adulthood i had then on my own learned about this mind technique, which was a visualization technique that I started using, an imagination process. And I thought, there's something more to this. And I found out it was actually hypnosis or self-hypnosis. So then as I used it for myself and even the employees I managed when I worked in a dental lab doing full mouth reconstruction dental technology, I came up with the bright idea, you know what? that stage hypnosis stuff seems cool. I think I'll do that. <laughs> so I poked around online and I found that, you know, living just four miles north in, of Boston and Massachusetts, that there was an organization in New Hampshire called the National Guild of Hypnotists, saw that there was an instructor in the city I was living in. So I contacted him and what I mentioned that he said, yeah, I could show you that. However, there's another side of it. And when he told me about it, that was it. I went home. I walked in, looked at my wife at the time. And I said, I'm going to be a hypnotherapist. What? Yeah. And then I went from there. So it was an indirect way, just like almost most things in life happen very indirectly. Right. That's how I ended up here.
0: Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So did it, were there any years of stage hypnosis in there for you?
1: You know, I thought to myself, now I got certified and I It was one-on-one, I had never hypnotized anybody, I wasn't hypnotized, it was about as minimal as your training could get because of just the person that I was with, and as I look back, it was more that I learned that at the time I didn't realize or grasp, Mm -hmm. to be fair. So eventually I said, you know, what about that stage stuff? So I ordered four video cassettes of people doing stage hypnosis from the NGH video library, rental library, I watched them, and I thought, okay, I see the common theme here. I guess that's how it's done. And I went out and did it. So I got – my first gig was this high school – it was a church basement with high school age kids. It went fantastically. And then the second one was a post-prom thing where they lock you in the building. Yeah. And because I had really no experience at all in this format, the one thing I didn't do the second show was manage the kids – and I lost total control. Ended up with like three kids, and it was all right, you know. And then I didn't do another one for maybe twelve years. And then I went down to St. Louis to teach with Reverend William Mitchell. Yes. And William says to me, "So look, Tom, I want to want you to teach for the weekend, and I also want you to do some stage hypnosis shows at night, all post And I said. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I just went through memory, you know, and I said to myself, <laughs> I'm good. I'm comfortable on stage. I not hypnotize people. I know the bits. And I did two shows that night back to back and it, it worked out great. There's a theme that that keeps
0: popping up in these conversations that as we're brand new to hypnosis, and you've maybe seen this yourself on the other side as an as a trainer as an instructor, that the brand new student sometimes doesn't quite yet know enough to be terrified exactly and there's
1: something beautiful about that you know what it's the same as when Don Henley was asked how can you sing be a lead singer and drum at the same time it's common knowledge that's not possible he said you know I really believe if I heard that before I did it I wouldn't be able to do it nice so sometimes not knowing <laughs> it's a big blessing right
0: Yeah, the uh, several times, again, the experience of what would you do differently? It's like, oh, I probably wouldn't have even done it at this point. (laughs) That, you know, there's very often that experience of the the, the, my then girlfriend, now wife, her description the first time she saw me do a stage hypnosis program was you need to work on that moment where you have that look on your face that's just telegraphing fill in the blank. It's working.
1: Right. (laughs) Well, I I used to do what I, you know, when I uh, do seminars and workshops, which are always for people in practice, no matter where it's been in, Jesus, maybe four countries now and all over the states. I say, how many people here are still practicing cross finger or finger cross hypnosis? I said, come on, there's going to be somebody out here. I said, that's how I spent my first couple of years, I think. Like, right, I hope this works because I didn't understand really what was going on and all the subtleties. And I'd say, Jesus Christ, look, it worked again. Huh. Imagine that. (laughs) So, you know, I tell my students, in spite of you, this process works. But, you, you know, you can really get in the way. But in spite of you, the process works. And then when you know more, it works even better.
0: Well, it's it's that mindset of really being in the moment, that if we're in our heads a little too much in terms of I'm going to do this technique versus that technique, that no. we find this greater openness just to be there in that moment listening to the client and feeding back the experience that they're that they're telegraphing that they need.
1: That's all it takes, man. You know, I teach that as creating the client's landscape.
0: Yeah, yeah. So let's rewind the story back. You you did your initial training and then what were your next steps from there in terms of getting things up and running?
1: Well, I was driving a 13-year-old Ford Escort with 130,000 miles on it. I had been bankrupt because of trying different things as an entrepreneur with credit cards and being so in debt. It was insane. I opened an office the next month, and my instructor said, you did what? <laughs> he says, nobody does that. And I said, all right. Well, I mean, I got my license. I drove. So, are I supposed to do this? He goes, I'm just saying. You know, nobody does it, so... It was uh, eight feet by eight feet. Now, dig this. Eight feet by eight feet was my office. And Dateline filmed in that office. But it was a storage closet that they emptied out, and this guy rented it out just as a personal office and paperwork or something in it. And uh, it was what I could afford. It was $150 a month. And it was in a nice location. And that's where it started, man. And it just went on from there. I love that. I love that.
0: And I'd share that that clip, which we'll, we'll link to what we can track of that uh, online over at uh, WorkSmart Hypnosis. But I show that clip of yours from Dateline NBC in my classes and really highlight that aspect that, yes, that office used to be a closet. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I have to ask the technical question about
1: how the cameras fit. It was... <laughs> um, the camera was huge. I couldn't believe how big this guy's camera was. And he had a tripod stand. And my client, Mark, is... In the chair, the lens of the camera was literally three inches from his head. And this guy would just zoom back, zoom in, and his back was pretty much against the door. And that's how crowded it was. Just picture it, a recliner, a seat that I'm sitting in, you know, just a swivel chair. Not an not a office swivel chair, some small little thing like a dentist wheels around in mm-hmm. as he's by your chair. And then this guy with his camera and tripod. And there was not about as much room for air after that. That's about it.
0: So how did that come to be? How did that happen for you?
1: You know, this is what I've learned and I share with people that I work with and coach. The greatest things in life start with, you're not going to believe what happened. It's not, see what I prepared, see how I planned it, and see how I achieved it. So as I was, and, and I believe this is what we refer to as, in whatever terminology people you know, use or define this as, that phrase, God helps those who help themselves, or When your energetic self is in motion, creating inertia, you'll attract a like energy, you know, so however you want to look at it. And I was uh, applying myself, man. I was really knuckling down, you know, like I talk about, that's when I had about 20 hours a day awake. Sometimes I'd get five hours sleep, it was seven days a week, working as a musician three, four nights a week, managing the dental lab 60 hours a week and building my practice. And things showed up. You know, we don't chase and find what we want. We attract what we want and need. And it it attracted. I just got an email one day from Harvard Medical School, got to speak there. I got a phone call one day from an associate producer at NBC. And that started the whole process with the Dateline bit. It changed my life, actually. So then, what was the ride like after that? Holy moly. Wow. So imagine, I am so naive. I mean, naive. I wasn't going to do the dateline bit because they weren't going to pay me, and I, <laughs> every penny I could make. And I said to her, I go, Susan, you know, I get and at the time I was getting like 120 bucks in a session. And the session to me is an hour. I said, but you know, if I'm going to do three, four, whatever, I was with this guy. I mean, you know, I get paid 120 dollars a session. She goes, How do you, you know we don't pay? And uh, and I sat with it, meditated with it, and I just got a feeling to do it. Thank God, right? Mm -hmm. So I did this show. They filmed it in January. First episode aired in April. And when that episode aired, I had a 1995 cassette for weight loss. And that week we sold $10,000 worth of that cassette. And -hmm. then the phone calls, obviously, and the people booking sessions. And I was regularly booked from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m., seven days a week, three months solid, And 80 people on a list waiting to be booked, almost always. Because this one, the next episode in um, the fall, I forget, no, it was July. And then the next one was supposed to be the fall, the third one, and ended up in January. So this just kept going and going and going. And when I cut back, I moved to a bigger office, obviously, a really beautiful building, and added two people on staff, and we had like 100 people a week coming through the office. That's when we cut back.
0: I love it. I love it. No, especially that aspect of you can't quite be ready for w- what the onslaught would become from something like that, that no. there's no way of really predicting whether it's going to have its life immediately, whether it's going to have its life afterwards. And I'm sure it's something that still has a life onto its own, even to this day.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, the beauty is the legitimacy. You see, when I'm doing a couple of big, big projects right now, one is even with a guy from Silicon Valley. and I mean, talking high 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 scale big time really really uh deep investment of time energy and effort and you know these are one of those big projects that people talk about and one of the benefits and blessings that i have is the legitimacy the validation of legitimate sources so it's like here's the guy that spoke at harvard medical school here's the guy was on dateline nbc here's the guy that Shape magazine and forbes and got on the list wrote about and so it was the first major absolute solid validation of my services and what I do and then once you have that look at how many people are open to finding out who you are and it led to more and more and more you know Mm
0: mm-hmm yeah, yeah. So then from there, writing that process, it's, it's been this journey of building up your own, although I always have to ask this question for anybody who produces audio programs. What is the oldest program that you are still selling?
1: It was in 2003. I redid what was on cassette. Yeah. <laughs> on <CD. laughs> so here it is now, uh, just about 14 years later. And yeah, that stuff is all still available that's being marketed and sold online.
0: And I'd I'd highlight the reason why I ask that is that so many people set that goal of or set up really that barrier that I'm not going to do it because of this, that uh, I think my oldest one I recorded in 2007. And it's not still selling out of laziness. It's still selling because it's it's good. And I like that one. And similar, you have products, products that you created years ago, and being able being able to set up these revenue streams to increase that reach is definitely something that's viable in terms of our modern hypnotic community.
1: well, not only viable, but it's also our responsibility. You know thank you if we're in, in the you're welcome. if we're in the <laughs> business service, and you're not utilizing all the, or at least some of the options that are available to reach more people than you're doing a disservice, right? And the more people we help, then the more synergy. The more again, back to that whole energy moving forward and in inertia. And then two people tell two people tell two people. If it wasn't for the internet, and by the way, anyone starting now or have recently started. Shame on you if you don't make stuff happen. And I mean really explosive. You know, I wasn't around during the days of Google and YouTube and emailing. Oh, no, man. So to have it this convenient and this push button easy, come on. You got to be lazy if you're not making something happen. That's all there is to it, right? And everything you need to learn is free. Just Google it or go to YouTube and learn <laughs> whatever you need to do. So, you know, if we have one stream of income, and that stream dries up, then what? So you have the flu, and for three or four days, you're not working, you're not creating your income, you are got to bounce people, mess up your schedule, and you have nothing else coming in. But if you have programs and you have trainings and you have you know, speaking gigs and you have webinars and you have your clients, be it live or over the Internet and the way you coach or whatever it is, and these multiple streams of income are always providing something while something else isn't happening. And it's an important, important part of any business, I believe any.
0: Well, not even from the business side, I, you know, early on, it was drilled into my head that the, the live session one-to-one was the only good way to do it and was actually led to believe that it was a disservice to have audio programs. It was a disservice to do group sessions and completely swapped over to the other side of this because the reality is there are some people that whether it's an issue of travel, whether it's an issue of budget, whether it's an issue of anything else, they would only make use of something
1: in that distance format. Or even if it's an issue of trust. Right. So, you know, everything has its its place. Now, yeah, okay, so the most effective, maybe one-on-one with an energetic exchange in your same space, all right, I'd go for that. However, it doesn't mean the others, uh, that's the only way. Because as you know, there's a percentage of people who are going to benefit f- through audio and through group and through whatever. So those people miss out if we aren't offering those services.
0: And I think it's something that really to flip the conversation to be more about, How do I take these, let's call them alternative methods of delivering the content, how do I make that work better rather than playing the game of, well, that doesn't work as well, so I just won't do it? That I think there's some strengths inside of the audio, inside of the distance program that the live session just simply cannot do.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it.
0: Yeah. I'd love to ask you this, because it's a theme that's popped up, that the, the mindset of being a human outside of the hypnosis profession, how's that sound? How would you say your background in music has influenced, whether it's your, your style of the sessions or in training or any of it, really?
1: Oh, I think it's helped a lot. I have always said, well, once I became aware enough of this, I'm an admitted ham. I love the stage. I give me a guitar, a microphone, a group of people, anything. I'm in, I'm home. I love it. I just in whatever it is in me, this is something I'm meant to do. So the confidence factor and the comfort of being the facilitator. You know when you do the trainings and that person sits in the seat of now doing a demonstration in class of being the facilitator and another student's the client, it I find it kind of curious that some people are so petrified of actually being the person that's going to direct the session now. And that I never had to deal with because, you know, of my history and background. It's also helped me severely, you know, not severely, uh, tremendously in my recording. I mean, I've got some, and I can honestly say really, really good audio recordings, and that's because of my understanding of recording and sound and everything else. And I even have a porter studio in a few rooms over here in my house, a 16-track porter studio. And uh, now with the computer, I mean, we can just sit here with software and a really good mic and create some really tremendous stuff. But a lot of people aren't aware of some of the things I am about recording and about sound, so that's a benefit as well. And then as a songwriter, which I've written poetry, prose, and song lyrics most of my life, my ability to whittle language, which is one of the most challenging things that my students have, that I think people in general have, because we speak generally in so much fluff, so much extra and unnecessary language. But when you write song lyrics, you, you learn how to, like writing headlines, get very, very concise with your meaning and message. And that's helped me with language patterns, too.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So then moving the story forward, then all of a sudden comes World Hypnotism Day, Yeah, all of a sudden. All of a sudden. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well. The overnight phenomenon that took 10 years.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. You know, here we are, and I'm looking at a forum, and I read a message, and a lot of people don't know this story as to really why it all started. So I'm reading this woman who's a a member of the organization post. It's really great what the organization does for you, but you would think they would get your clients. The first out my head, I won't even relay here. Then I filtered the next one and the next one and the next one. And I finally came up with- You have the same uh, motivational cycles that I do. I think most of the products I, got, I put right. out
0: have come from, what the hell? Let's just put a thing out there to solve this. You know, that, that
1: city street kid came back in a hurry. Yeah. So here I am thinking, all right, how do I respond to this one? So I just replied, you know, it might be a better idea- If maybe waiting for the organization or society or anything or anyone else, that on our own, if we all kind of got together and created a wave of attention, we might be able to, you know, create clients and do what we're supposed to do as independent business owners. And I likened it to the great American Smokeout. And I thought, well, wait a minute. What the hell? Why isn't there an event for hypnotism? And I had called a couple people, and when I talked to uh, Dr. Damon, Dwight Damon, the president of the NGH, he said, it's a great idea. I I don't understand why somebody else hasn't even come up with this yet, but we'll support it, but we can't do it. And I thought, okay. So I got on the phone with a gentleman who's my mentor down in Florida, and um, our old buddy Sean Brookhouse in London, when he was really active with the NGH, and we sat and plotted. And... January 4th was picked because it was the third episode of the Dateline NBC 10-month study and it exploded and it was the right timing for that to air with this explosion because it's right around new year resolution time and that's really why it was chosen so that started it all and the way I was brought up was if you say something you have to do it because that's integrity right so i said it me and my big mouth Well, here it is now, I think it's the 13th year, 2017, and people in 20 countries have participated, hosting low-cost and no-cost events, and we have over 50 proclamations from mayors, lieutenant governors, and governors proclaiming January 4th World Hypnotism Day, and we've had press from national TV to local TV to magazines and newspapers and radio.
0: Yeah, and I'm sitting here next to my Alexandria Times from a few years ago with the headline, Local Hypnotist, Open Eyes to Wellness, which was my front page coverage I got for that back about, at this point, about six years ago. So once again, thank you, Tom. No, thank you. <laughs>
1: if people don't participate, Jason, then, then it's not, there is nothing, right? So even though it was a great idea, and I funded it too, and I still do, and, and it's not because I'm making any money off of this at all. I mean at all. It's my tech guy, it was, it was my cash, it was everything that had to be done that me, and my tech guy, and then the people who contributed resources from all over the world, Who, back to the blessing of becoming popular enough that all these people were gracious enough to contribute and support it and give us resources and such to use, that if people don't participate then it's, it's nothing, it's just an idea. So all the people who participate, good for them, but even the ones who don't benefit because of what we're all doing.
0: Which to to kind of draw a bit of a through line here, going back to the phone call from NBC, and they're not mm-hmm. going to pay you the $120 for the session <laughs> 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 to, uh, you know, to this, which, you know, for anything that we end up, I mean, when I first launched this podcast, you know, it's the whole aspect of it takes time, it takes energy, and definitely even takes money. Yet, it's to to connect with something that yes, will have some eventual through line as a promotional stream for products and awareness. But at the same time, to do something just because you're passionate for it, just because you're seeing that the need is there. And I I love the aspect of, you know, it's why I I often would hesitate to give this advice in some cases, but around I, I firmly believe in calling your next shot about this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to make happen. The same as there you were a month out of your training and going, I'm opening up this office.
1: Yeah. Well, you see, the thing is, This is how all of life works. You know, when people say, well, I don't like the unknown or, and and I'll touch upon to this, I'm going to do to get paid. Well, none of it was unknown. Who got to fourth grade and said, you know what? This is my comfort zone. I'm comfortable here. I know the teacher. I know this information. I can do this for the rest of my life. We'd feel punished. Somewhere along the line, people get stuck that way. But this whole paid, I'm going to give a good example because I was the guy who would talk to my tech guy and say, Keith, are you kidding me? I'm not putting in five, seven, eight hours to create that for, what, a giveaway or, what, for for 19 bucks? What are you, nuts? But then I remember watching a performance by Usher. I forget what kind of event it was, what show or whatever. And then it was about three days later, one by Bruno Mars. And I'm watching and I'm thinking, man, I know what they're doing. I know what it takes. I do what they're doing up there on stage, right? I've done it my whole life. I've toured with albums and the whole bit. And I thought, man, the choreography, the songwriting, the recording, the practice, the practice, the practice for three-minute performance. And he didn't say, screw this. I'm not getting paid to rehearse. I'm not getting paid to re-edit that and to redo that and to refilm that. You do what you do, as you said, driven by the passion and the love for it, and then it will all manifest. And then the payday will come. But man, if you're not willing to do the work, why are you expecting uh, outcomes?
0: So then someone's in your office and they're there as your client. Is there, is there a through line? Is there sort of an emotional overriding perspective that's the, uh, let's call it the Tom Nicoli journey that they're about to go on? Is there a theme, would you say, to your to your approach to working with clients? It's always, it's always going to be different from one individual to another in a client-centered format, yet is there some sort of overriding arc that you can identify in terms of what journey you take that client on?
1: Yeah, there is actually. First, it's creating the client's landscape in order to really work with them in a way that would be most accepted, highest r- level of rapport, and the most effective. What I have found commonly, and here's, uh, I'll explain it. When you do the imagination exercise, the phrase I like to use rather than suggestibility test, of, say, the lemon, you know, people will pucker, they'll swallow, they'll make a face. So we don't have to physically do something, as we know, in order to experience it. The mind, subconscious mind, as we refer to now, and all this may change, but for what we know now, does not know the difference between imagination and reality. Okay, good. So if you can imagine sucking a lemon and you... Tucker, your your salivary glands explode, your brain chemistry, your nervous system, your muscles, all of this physiology change. (laughs) On nothing but thought, right? Well, if the person has had an experience in some event in the past, usually from a younger self, has a problem, I have a very, very common process where I reconnect adult self to other parts, right into the experience, and I'm not talking about so much uh, profound effect bridge regression in that way, but it's regression, obviously, if we're just revisiting another time, we regress back, but this doesn't have to be profound and and somnambulistic and all that, and yet quite effective. And I have the adult able to go back to an experience or a time and let the younger version of self, and the language is you know really involved here, that the younger part of self can see through the perception and experience of the older self for aha kind of moments. And it's basically overall, though there's a lot to this, of the adult self saving the younger self, bringing them back from a time that they're stuck in and keep reminding the adult about and keep behaving like that part of self, And it's amazing how this works and how this almost transforms the individual to no longer repeat what was and to be able to start living what is while still utilizing that creativity and that playfulness of the quote unquote inner child in the present moment. So that's become a real big common theme of my work along with all other techniques that I apply
0: as well. I'd share a a similar perspective that as much as I'm Uh, proponent and I I teach hypnotic age regression and the full everything down to somnambulism informed child. But what I'd point out is that here's what you just described, which is the same thing. And to bring in some of the musical terminology, it's variations on the same theme. It's not the exact same approach, yet it gets the same response that my, my approach with regression is yes, it's great to find the ISE. Yes, it's great to get them out of it. Yet the main thing is it becomes that beautiful place where the client is now doing direct suggestion and hypnosis on themselves. Pretty much. No matter how clever we think we are, whatever is going to come out of them in that moment is going to be so much more profound and so much more meaningful.
1: Oh, let's go back to what I said when we were talking about me starting my practice and people just starting. It works in spite of you. Yeah. Because we're not the (laughs) ones... It's like, there's a clip online that... A girl that I worked with had severe, severe bipolar and OCD issues, and they were going to lock her up in a hospital, and she was not going to see the light of day. She was 16 then. Now she's 27, I think, and uh, you know, she flies around, and she has a really cool life. And she thanks me prof- I mean, profusely, and, and more than she should. And in, on the TV show, I say, you know, I understand her gratitude, but Dara did all the work. All our clients do. They are the car and they are the driver, but they're lost, so we are the GPS. Yes. The better the GPS, and if you follow it and allow yourself, because it's all about allow, you know, accept and allow, and participate. And if they do that, or when they do that, and the GPS is good, they usually get where they want to go.
0: So then what direction are you taking things nowadays?
1: What's the the next step? Well, I've, I've got two really big projects I'm working on right now. And again, back to what you said. They may turn into something, they may not. And it's going to require a lot of time, a lot of creation, you know, a lot of effort and input. I don't call it work because I used to work. I used to do tar and gravel roofing. I used to do dismantling, you know, with a torch cutting iron and stuff like that. That's work. I apply my time. That's how I look at it. So this application of time and effort and creativity may pay off or may not, but nothing ventured, nothing gained as as it goes. Building Master Visionary more and more and more, which is taking, say, EFT and NLP and hypnosis and all the techniques we apply and use and taking as much of that into the coaching arena and doing personal and professional coaching In it's to tap into the Master Visionary or reconnect to the Master Visionary within us all. People are living so narrow-mindedly they're living with sight in the five senses when it's the vision we need to apply in order to really create the lives we want and vision is using imagination or wisdom to create your future
0: outstanding outstanding which really in, in some way is kind of a rebranding of the hypnosis process yeah into its own separate entity into its own separate distinct
1: approach right yeah exactly it's using the same com- components and it's not, you know, intentionally hiding from and shying away from the world hypnosis, but just presenting it in a, in a kind of a different light, in a different way. Because, you know, even though I've been seen as this uh, crusader for hypnosis because of World Hypnotism Day and Dateline and everything else that's out there in publications, that's not my purpose. You know, I, yeah, I, I support and 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 share what hypnosis is or what we think it is at this time in order to enlighten people because if we don't enlighten them, then we're doing a disservice because they're missing out on something that they require and need and will help them more than most other approaches. But I'm not here to you know, be the crusader, so I'm shifting a little bit while still utilizing the components, as you said.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, just briefly, uh, the some of the resources that people can check out over at World Hypnotism Day. Uh, I know it's a mixture of press releases and the proclamation documents. What else can folks find when they go over to that site?
1: Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, I just had messaged my tech guy before we did this. We've got to go over and do some stuff because we're revamping all, all my websites. but. There are PowerPoint pres So say somebody says, all right, I, I want to support World Hypnotism Day and do an event, but I don't know what to do. We have the ability here through these resources with somebody who got certified yesterday to go out and do something. We have um, handouts if you want to go do a talk. We have a handout or a document that's how to break down a presentation in five-minute increments, just what to do, how to do it. Here's what to hand out even. Here's three PowerPoint presentations that you can <laughs> Sample letter and the sample proclamation and the letter that goes to your mayor. All you do is print it out, put in your info, and seek a proclamation. My gosh, what else? There's how to create MP3 audios, how to create video. There's all kinds of different Word documents on how to promote events online or offline, where to promote them, just ideas of things they probably haven't even thought about, and all kinds of different ways to not only. Use these resources to support World Hypnotism Day in your services, of course, but to use them all here. I mean, how to create a press release? Isn't that just good enough to know right there? Gee, I never know how to create a press release. Well, here you go. Here's some sample press releases. Just take out the words World Hypnotism Day. (laughs) Oh, it's the theme uh, of
0: one of the favorite phrases that I love is one of the best ways to hide something is to publish it. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm I'm on the phone actually earlier today with somebody who, of course, I'll leave out who it was. Yet he's going, yeah, I, I need to hop onto Fiverr and get a press cr- release created. And I'm able to rewind back and go, wait a minute, you know about World dot com. You mm-hmm. also have this product. You also have this service. You're also a member of this organization. Yeah. You have so many examples already. And so it's this place of taking that survey of what we've got, what skills we have. And again, this is just a great resource. And again, that website is worldhypnotismday.com. And there's all sorts of other, I'm on here right
1: now, actually. You see that we, we got to kick that thing up today and tomorrow, but even resources for the public. So how good are you going to look to your clients when you say, hey, and by the way, you know, because they they know you, they wouldn't have known this any other way. You send them to worldhypnotismday.com to get their free well we call them hypnosis samples because we don't want people thinking these audio sessions are all they need Mm -hmm. to still contact their local provider but your clients will benefit by getting resources that you didn't have to create that they're getting for free and they're going to like you for it exactly exactly
0: well this has been great tom thanks so much
1: jason it's my pleasure i always appreciate the opportunity to share whatever i can whenever i can
0: Absolutely. And we'll put links over at Work Smart Hypnosis, heading over to WorldHypnotismDay.com as well as, uh, correct me on this, MasterVisionary.com, right? Correct. Outstanding. I'll see you soon.
1: All right. Take
0: care. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast at WorkSmartHypnosis.com. Jason Lennett here once again, and as always, thank you to everybody for interacting with this program, and only at this point will I officially say thank you, Tom Nicoli, because this, what you just listened to, was actually the second take. The wonders of recording uh, with digital format, my software failed the first time, and uh, talk about a real pro. It's good to be recording with somebody who understands recording, and so thank you, Tom, for your patience and an outstanding uh, mulligan on this podcast recording. For those of you looking to enhance your hypnotic skills, I'd point you to a couple of resources. First of all, of course, head over to any of Tom's websites, whether it's his depth weight loss program or any of his audio programs. They are all outstanding, and I highly recommend them. Check them out. If you get a chance to see Tom speak, definitely worth going to see. Also, head over over to WorkSmartHypnosis.com. You can check out a couple of options for increasing your uh, confidence as a hypnotist. One of program of which is Hypnotic Workers. This is the entire digital brain dump of my hypnotherapy training. More than a hundred hours of digital on demand, all access content from real client sessions, from the clients walking in to the clients walking out, to hypnotic deepeners, induction methods, techniques for change. You will not. find. Find anywhere else. Check that out at hypnoticworkers.com. And you know the phrase, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? Well, that's not the case with the Master Hypnotist Course. Master Hypnotist Course, this is the class that Sean Michael Andrews and I are doing together when our powers combine, coming up in March 2017 out in Las Vegas. Six days of accelerated hands on confidence skills building training. That's Master Hypnotist Course. Thanks so much. See you next time.